this is Fully Vested, a weekly podcast where Jason Rowley and Graham Peck discuss technology and venture capital investing. This week, we discuss the tools and technology of working from home or remotely before and during the COVID-19 pandemic. The show was recorded on April 13th. You can learn more at fullyvested.co. My gosh, I keep getting warnings now. Oh, no. Uh, Graham, well, I'm uh, I'm approximately a week into growing a, a quarantine mustache. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to uh, post a uh, picture for our listeners later. Well, it's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what of the beautiful screenshot of me, uh, mostly behind a mic because the microphone and my laptop and my ring light are sitting on top of a dresser in the downstairs of a undisclosed location in these fine fair United States of America. Ah, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much what I mean. Wait, what? What's a ring light? Oh, you don't want to? You? Oh, come on, Graham. Speaking of, we're going to be talking about working from home, but uh, a ring light. I is, know is is a light. Oh, in a ring. Nice. Yeah, uh, which I'm sure makes great radio. Me explaining what a ring light is to to Graham, but uh, well, I yeah. just uh, I'm just not familiar with that. Uh, I I mean, I just have like this, uh, you know, like uh, like a really boring desk lamp, you mm. know, kind of see, thing. See, the ring light, the ring light helps because um, you know, you know, Graham, um, I, I've uh, un- under quarantine, my uh, my. Uh, my uh, skincare and beauty regimen has re- has really gone out the window. Uh, was that pretty intense before quarantine? No, of course not. But <laughs> <laughs> but now now you know staring at the uh, staring at the news and you know seeing uh, you know uh, this uh, ongoing uh, ridiculousness uh, you know every day um, you know I, I start to get these uh, little uh, fine lines and wrinkles and. And uh, you know, as uh, as an almost thirty year old, you know my uh, the the furrows in my brow are starting to show, and uh, you know I figured that I'll take a take a lesson from uh, you know beauty YouTubers and everybody else, and just go get myself a ring light so that I can look uh, fresh and fresh and happy, uh, regardless of uh, whether or not we're in the middle of a global pandemic that threatens to kill millions of people worldwide, even if we have. Uh, some sort of a semblance of a decent response. So the ring light doesn't <laughs> uh, make the wrinkles go away, just to be clear. No, it does hide them, though. Oh, nice. Well, I'm definitely going to have to try this because I've got this forehead thing going on. Mm. Anyway. Well, well, you know what? Maybe this will, uh, maybe this whole, uh, you know, COVID, uh, you know, thing will help uh, Apple uh, finally decide to upgrade the quality of the front-facing uh, FaceTime cameras on uh, their Macs uh, to be uh, actually properly uh, high definition. Yeah, but I don't want that. Hmm. Oh, you don't want you don't want people to uh, to stare to stare at your lovely face in uh, glorious uh, high definition and see each individual pore. No, I, I'd prefer not. See, Graham, that's what that's why you got to get on the uh, the the uh, beauty and uh, skincare train. I mean, I wash my face in the shower, which <laughs> can, you know means put water on my face. Sure. I mean, that would be kind of hard to do in the shower. It would be hard not to have your face get wet in the shower. That's what I found. Yeah. Yeah. 
you can <laughs> um you could wear one of those uh full face uh snorkeling masks that people are now uh, repurposing into um ventilator hoods yes yeah i've seen those yeah um what about the people who are wearing uh who are wearing halloween masks Those, I think, are particularly funny. It probably is effective in that it often probably keeps people more than six feet away from you. Ooh, yes. Man, I'm trying (laughs) to (laughs) think. Yes. Yeah, different, different, you know, different uh, cause, same effect, I guess. Yeah, I mean, and or you can, say, same end goal. Yeah, I mean, and you can wear your uh, your filtration mask under your, uh, you know, your uh, your your bloodied uh, hockey mask, right? Yeah, yeah, and you might have, you know, bloodied that, uh, you know, uh, actually not with fake blood in in today's world. Who well, knows? I mean, it's it's you know it's uh, just like uh, you know we might make a, a blood sacrifice for the economy by reopening the uh, the country a little too early. Uh, you know, it's uh, you know I, I adorn my hockey mask with the blood of the innocent. That's how I keep people away, Graham. Ah, there you go. Yeah, that's yep. that's real social distancing for you. Straight up uh, American Psycho style or something. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, I was going. See, my knowledge of like nineteen eighties uh, era uh, horror movies is uh, is not not great. I was thinking more of a uh, um, shoot. What's uh, what's uh, J- the guy uh, Jason from Friday the Thirteenth? Yeah, he was the has- hockey mask wearer, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I also. I'm I'm not a big horror movie fan. Me neither. Um, so, uh, but but yeah, I think it was Jason. Yeah. And he had the chainsaw, I think. I believe and, so. And the hockey mask, yeah. Yeah. Um, before we get into stuff, Graham, why are you not a big fan of horror movies? I don't know. It just always seemed kind of cheesy to me. It's not, it's not that they're actually frightening. I just, I don't know, just not a big fan. They're just kind of hokey? Yeah, yeah. Mo- most Mostly hokey, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. How about I, you? Meh. I guess kind of similar, like everything's, you know, a lot of horror movies, they have very like weird contrived plots. Um, and, uh, you know, I, mo- mostly they're there as some sort of like, you know, commentary on, you know, like social purity and, you know, the the bad things that happen to like horny teenagers and stuff um, out in the woods or whatever. Um, and, and, and as a, as a medium or sorry, well, film as a medium as a genre of film, uh, just never really, uh, never really clicked with me. Yeah, no, I mean, same. Seems like they always make, uh, people always make really bad choices in, in those movies too. Again, maybe that's part of like the way the plot plots, uh, end up being contrived as you just said, but it seems like people make exceedingly stupid decisions and not to be racist, but it also seems like they coincidentally always kill the black people first in those movies. But you know, again, not, I don't mean to be painting with, you know, an overly broad, uh, brush about horror movies, but, uh, seems like that often happens. Yeah. That's yeah, not the right. reason I don't like them. I just think the plots are often stupid and they're not really scary. They're just mm. dumb. Get Out was so, good, like, though. You know, you know, I get like a hunkering to watch a horror movie like maybe one once a year. Yeah. So couldn't yeah. even tell you the last one I watched, though. Uh, speaking of horror movies, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> we're almost at uh, two, two million people sick with COVID. Yeah, I mean, why do you need to watch a horror movie when you can just turn on uh, any television show and real life is scary enough these days? Yeah, I mean, it's Monday the 13th. 
For those of you who are certainly listening to this way far into the future, what we're, of course, referring to now is the COVID-19 situation that I hope to God we're all way through and ha- you've forgotten. But uh, no, no, that's no, going to no. be some Nobody's going to be forgetting about this one. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm afraid of that. Um, ooh, <sighs> boy. Um, so, great. Jason, you've also uh, started a new job and Wait, you're someone who's should, worked we, for Yeah, oh. we have to introduce ourselves. Oh, well, geez, you cut, you cut off. I had like a good fine, intro fine, thing fine. going there. Go, go, go. What were you going to say? No, no, no. We can, now that you've interrupted us, we can. No, we can come on, Graham. Just say, just, just say it. Well, so I was just going to say, and this could lead into an intro, <laughs> <clears throat> Jason, uh, that you just started a new uh, job well, and uh, that you're, that you're working from home and yeah. you have been for a while. That part's not new, but, uh, but I guess I just wondered, you know. What uh, what you think of all that, and maybe go ahead and tell us what it is you're you're doing uh, in, in the meantime. <laughs> what, what am I doing? Uh, well, yeah, I meant that less existentially. Well, uh, well, okay. So, hi everybody. My name is Jason Rally. I am one of your uh, co-hosts. Uh, Graham is probably the longer longer suffering one of us co-hosts, given all the stuff I put him through. Uh, when I'm not uh, co-hosting this podcast, I help the Python Software Foundation reach out to early stage startups and uh, ordinarily give early stage startups free booth space at PyCon US. But uh, obviously that's not happening. So I'm in the middle of trying to figure out how best to serve the awesome early stage companies that made it through uh, and would have gotten a spot on Startup Row. Graham, thank you so much for being a judge on that. You're welcome. Um, and then when I'm not doing that, uh, I am predominantly writing stuff on the internet. And uh, I'd recently joined on a contract basis. So, Graham, granted, this my introduction might might not be relevant. You know, a couple weeks from now, because uh, who knows? There's immense there's there's immense latitude for me to uh, screw up. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I was nominally uh, hired by a really interesting. San Francisco-based startup called Golden, uh, also known as Golden.com or Golden Recursion Incorporated, uh, a Delaware C corporation that is in the business of building the canonical source for knowledge. And uh, I've primarily been focused on uh, contributing to their startup fundamentals knowledge cluster, their venture capital knowledge cluster, although that one's a little bit more of a cluster, so to speak. Uh, you know, I have to go clean <laughs> it up. Uh, no, 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 no. It's okay. There's, there's, there's a lot of cleanup that that can be done. Um, uh, I've also done a lot of uh, contributing to the uh, to the COVID nineteen knowledge cluster, and have recently completed a project of uh, helping to tag uh, and and add in pages and information for. Uh, several dozen companies uh, that are each independently in the process of uh, doing either preclinical or phase one or entering into phase one clinical studies of uh, COVID-19 vaccine agent uh, candidates or whatever the technical term is. Um, I'm not a doctor, <laughs> lawyer, nurse, whatever, whatever. Um, but it's it's been really, really fascinating. Um and yes, that's an interesting part of uh, the project, and it's kind of cool that you're able to uh, contribute 
uh, into that what what I guess they call knowledge cluster. Yeah, no, I mean it it is it is pretty cool. Um, you know, not not divulging any sort of like information about this, but like you know, there's an enterprise uh, tier of service offering that Golden has, and you know, there's a lot of really interesting you know companies and organizations that are. Uh, in the middle of searching through Golden for information. And so, yeah, like, the fact that, I mean, it sometimes feels a little, like, small and ex- insignificant to be like, oh, I'm I'm editing the equivalent of, like, a wiki. But, on the other hand, there are people who are in positions to fund the companies or the, uh, you know, drug trials or the research behind certain new... Uh, chemicals and, and compounds and stuff. Uh, and, you know, the fact that I might have had a hand in putting that on the internet, at least for those folks to read on one particular website, feels kind of neat. That's uh, really cool. Yeah. Graham, what, um, what, uh, what, what, what's, what's your racket? Yeah. So uh, I am, my name is Graham Peck. I'm a venture partner with Cultivation Capital. Cultivation is a mostly Midwest-based um, early stage fund uh, family. We have investments in uh, life sciences, ag tech, and food science. Uh, that's one one fund group. Uh, and uh, specifically the fund team that I'm part of is our technology team. And we invest in uh, seed and series A stage software uh, technology companies. So I also work uh, with the great folks over at Brightgrove and a couple of other smaller software development companies, but uh, primarily at Brightgrove and help them to build uh, teams for other companies, startup and larger uh, mostly here in the U.S. Uh, with their recruiting group out of Eastern Europe. Cool. So that's me. Nice. So, um, Graham, we're we're talking as we, you know, how are we doing this? We we, you know, we're we're just a couple of guys, you know, sitting in uh, various uh, places in the uh, greater uh, Midwestern United States of America. Um, and we are talking to each other, what, over, over Skype? Over Skype, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're using, uh, you know, call recorder to record us. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the thing that's kind of, you know, fun and interesting about all this is, uh, yeah, Graham, we're just a couple of, couple of dudes, uh, talking about some stuff on the internet. And, uh, you know, it, it seems like, uh, that's, that's all of a sudden all the rage now. Yeah, it is. Because um, obviously, you know, with uh, with the outbreak of COVID, it seems like uh, most people who can, and we realize obviously not all uh, not all work can be done uh, remotely, like uh, things in the healthcare sector uh, in particular, transportation, logistics to keep people fed, and the healthcare system uh, ostensibly humming. Um, you know, defense and other infrastructure work that's critical to keep the rest of those things safe and moving. But in any case, uh, you know, a lot of folks, and it seems like nearly everyone who can uh, is working from home. And for you and me, that's not really a new experience. No. Uh, but for, for a lot of people, like my sister, who's in HR at a really big company, uh, that's new. Uh, you know, she might work at home prior to the COVID situation, maybe like an occasional day here or there, like, you know, I don't know, like 
very, very infrequently, like a couple of days a quarter, like a couple of weeks throughout the entire year. Yeah. And it was only like ever if there was like a random circumstance or something uh, where she needed to be at home, but also could otherwise be working. Yeah. Um, But, you know, she has been working from home full time now for a couple of weeks. Um, and she's not, uh, she's obviously not alone, uh, in, in that. And I think that it'll be interesting to see what kind of changes come out of this, I think, to work culture long-term. Uh, and I know one of the articles or may- maybe the main article that I sent you, uh, to kind of inspire this, uh, this discussion was, was about just a whole bunch of different technologies and probably all of those and many more technologies like each of them broken up into those half dozen or so different categories are really probably benefiting pretty substantially from the increased work from home culture that's going on right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, that's, you know, that's a thing that I'm super interested to see as well. You know, what comes out of this? I, um, uh, I was talking to a, so, you know, not, not to uh, compromise my, uh, you know, my, my, uh, my location here, but, uh, you know, there's a neighbor who, who is sort of like down the, down the way a little bit and, uh, his garbage can, lives in the driveway of the place that I'm at right now. And, you know, this was like the first non-family human interaction I've had in a long time because I was standing up on a porch and I was looking at him and he was dragging his thing over and I just started talking to him. And, uh, you know, he's been part of the whole like work from home thing for a while. and And, you know, we were talking about, you know, whether or not people that he knew, you know, he's personally in the real estate business doing uh, audits and not like, not like building inspection or whatever, but like, you know, he, he helps like certify real estate projects and stuff. And like, he's just like, yeah, I mean, maybe by the end of all this, you know, anybody who says that they want to work from home might be able to work from home again, unless they're part of these you know, few select industries or more particularly a few select disciplines within a few select industries. Um, Because again, like we're all engaged in this like big experiment, you know, from a technological, social, and, you know, from the company's perspective, managerial, you know, experiment uh, to see whether or not we're uh, able to actually go out and, do some stuff uh, while we're all nominally sitting at home. Um, yeah, so uh, go out and do some stuff without going out and doing some stuff. Yeah, well, you know what I mean. Stay, getting getting things done while you're at home. Um, and, and granted, like it's it's really important to mention that these are not ideal times to be productive, right? Like, oh, for for a whole bunch of reasons. Oh my god, like forget i mean well just like the crushing existential dread alone you know is enough to impede somebody's productivity but like yeah well i was just gonna say uh you know i wondered uh you know how you were feeling through all of this oh i i, I mean my ex <laughs> I'll, I'll get to my existential dread in a hot second <laughs> oh boy but you know like but then then you know you uh you know then there's i mean Oh my god, anybody who's a parent right now needing to like entertain a bunch of munchkins like all day oh. and then also nominally help them like 
not fall so ridiculously behind in school. So like all of a sudden you have, especially parents, you know, parents, you know, they're now full-time chefs, occasional bakers, like full-time housekeepers, full-time dishwashers, full-time substitute teachers, while also nominally trying to hold down some flavor of job if they are lucky enough to have not lost their job due to the economic slowdown that we are all very clearly experiencing right now. Um, but if you're a remote work startup, I guess uh, I guess the times are good. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I, I think so. Yeah. Be- before we get into this uh, any deeper, I guess one question I was going to ask you is: How long have you m- primarily worked? from home i mean that's a that's a that's a big question i would part of me wants to say fairly accurately basically my entire career so far has been work from home in some capacity or another um there was so i when i was a a much younger lad i worked on a startup and we worked out of a my co-founder's apartment uh and then really apart from that uh like i did a you know i had a couple of like little officey gigs um, in like 2015 or so. And like, I've done a little bit of like onsite consulting for, for various folks, but those were all like pretty short, you know, short sort of like turnaround type things. Um, as far as like any like big material chunks of time spent working for any one company, almost all of my stuff has been remote, like getting out of like my sort of, uh, uh, roundabout way through the higher education system, notwithstanding when I finally did graduate college, uh, you know, I immediately started freelancing for Mattermark. And then, you know, when, uh, you know, when Mattermark was sunsetted, um, or at least the part of Mattermark that I was helping with, uh, which was their blog and writing data-driven content about Mattermark data for the blog, you know, I went over to Crunchbase News and obviously I did not move to San Francisco to do that. And, you know, I helped launch a editorially independent newsroom that served millions of readers all from the comfort of, at first, uh, my childhood bedroom at my mom's house. And then after I felt, you know, somewhat financially stable, uh, because again, you know, journalism is not necessarily known as a highly remunerative profession, I uh, I then moved uh, downtown and continued working for Crunchbase uh, since then. And well, up until recently, where now I'm at Golden. So like most of my career has been remote and and at least for sort of like knowledge work type stuff, which is a which feels a lot more like a pretty highfalutin way of uh, saying that I just write crap on the Internet. Um, that sort of stuff, I think, can and probably for most types of people should be work that can be done from home if they choose if they do so choose. Yeah, I think that uh, that that my answer is uh, is pretty similar. You know, I'm uh, I've been in my career for a little longer than you, um, and I do have uh, a, a WeWork that I go to pretty frequently when you know when it's kind of normal office circumstances. Obviously, that's not right now. I would say I was there an average of three to four days a week uh, when I was in Chicago. Uh, I travel a fair amount for a combination of kind of work and pleasure on the different things I'm working on. That's, I think, you know, just for one kind of 
personal note, personal note, that's a really interesting thing in my opinion right now is just the amount of time I'm realizing that I used to spend traveling, uh, you know, both short distances like to a meeting, but even longer distances like to visit friends or family or to attend conferences and things like that. And that all of that has gone away. I mean, you know, other than a couple of very minor errands to get things like fuel in a vehicle or groceries or medicine, um, other than going for a walk, which I do almost every day now, um, and usually an extended walk, like an hour plus, sometimes two hours. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I find that, you know, I have a lot of time. I'm working a lot, but I also have a lot of spare time. Um, and I think one of the things for me was just going between all of the different places that I frequented. Yeah, um, Graham, you were, you were, you're, uh, you, you were a bit of a man of about town. Well, so, something like that. So, or, or, or maybe a man, maybe a man about the Midwest is a more accurate, uh, oh, you know, way to mid- describe oh, it. Well, you know, not just a town, the whole Midwest. <laughs> oh boy. Look at, look, <clears throat> look at you. Um, well, no, I mean, I was gonna, I was gonna say, you know, like I, so uh, as, uh, as, as longtime listeners may be able to surmise, you know, I'm a, I'm a little bit of a, like a little bit of a homebody and a little bit of an introvert and whatever. Um, and so I'm sort of naturally biased towards saying, yeah, hey man, let's, let's just do this over, you know, Skype or Zoom or, um, Google Hangouts or whatever, you know, whatever the new hotness is of the day. Right. Um, but you know, somebody like you, Graham, who's, who's, you know, part, so much of your, um, professional life has, has revolved around, uh, for, for, uh, to be very simplistic about it, you know, planes, trains, and automobiles, um, you know, like after, whenever this is all said and done, right? Like in some magical world in the not so distant future, hopefully when everybody has a vaccine and we're all nominally immune uh, from this, except for all the anti-vaxxers who are uh, convinced that this is going to give them uh, some, you know, horrible uh, neurological condition or whatever. Um, you know, what do you think you're going to go back to quite as strenuous a travel schedule? Or or do you think that, you know, this experience, at least so far, has been somewhat moderating on that uh, that feeling that you need to travel quite so much to do what you need to do to, like, make money and stuff? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I've been thinking about that. Um, and, and I think that the answer is, uh, it depends. I mean, I, I think that some of it depends on uh, if the world, how similar, I mean, I think that we're beyond the point where the world will be quote unquote the same. But I think it depends to some pretty great degree for me on whether the individual events that I regularly participate in um still exist for starters, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, um, right. but, but assuming that they do, um, how good are, and we'll get to, you know, p- part, other parts of questions related to this in just a couple minutes, but how good the digital experiences or digital options for those events, especially conferences, trade shows, things like that yeah. become, um, and, the better the digital experiences go and the more prevalent the uh, options for real participation in remote things become, 
all of those, the technology around them is getting better by the minute, um, especially right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that, I think that the answer is yet to be determined and it's based on, on that. Oh, of course, also on the long-term safety. But again, if you, if there was no serious concern of getting the disease, I'm someone who still likes to travel. Um, I do it a lot, uh, but I also like both the experience of traveling and going places and meeting people and experiencing different cultures and foods and things like that. And, you know, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's just not the same, uh, you know, getting on a, even a really immersive VR experience, um, as being somewhere in person. But I would say that I think those experiences have already come a long way. Yeah. And I think that, um, maybe spurred on by what's going on right now, they're going to come a long way farther, further uh, in short order um, because there will be much more demand for more immersive lifelike experiences. Um, but I mean, again, it, it's still, I, I don't think there will ever be, or for the foreseeable future, there will not be a real replacement for being face to face in the same room as someone. Um, and if you want to immerse yourself more than just in sights and sounds, uh, you're going to, again, probably for the foreseeable future, need to go somewhere to be immersed in food, language, and culture, which are other parts for me that are a lot of fun oh, experiencing sure. different places, especially outside the United States. Yeah, so, but I, I, can, I can also... That was a long answer. No, 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 no. I mean, that's that's it's a good one. But, like, I mean, I can also see a situation where, you know, there's just a change in the, in the sort of culture of how work gets done in general, um, you know, af- after this. And, and it might be the case that, uh, you know, younger people, especially who are sort of more, uh, you know, native to the world of, you know, live streaming and, uh, and, and that sort of stuff that, that being face to face in person is not necessarily the most important thing, you know, like it's not quite so long ago that, you know, people wrote like handwritten letters to each other. And you might be able to argue that like you got a lot of special, you know, context about a person, you know, or their situation, or at least their, you know, (laughs) at least their handwriting, you know, by being able to, uh, to read a, a handwritten letter from them. But like, you know, honest to God, like who, who sends a handwritten letter anymore for business purposes, unless it's some like perfunctory thank you note, that, you know, you're like some 22-year-old sends uh, because that's what their college career counselor told them to do after job interviews. Which, for the record, handwritten thank you notes, always appreciated. <laughs> it's true. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, did, did that get you a job or something? No. I feel like there's a story in there. No, but it did get me, oh. it, it, did, it did ingratiate me to a number of folks from a, from like a, like, the generation or two sort of like older than me where it's like, Oh, look at that. Like upstanding, you know, young gentle person, uh, where, you know, writing a handwritten note and he knows how to fill out an envelope and send and send it with a stamp. Stamps. Mm. Stamps. Um, one of the things I think was interesting just, uh, to go off topic for, uh, for one moment oh, is yeah. that, it, uh, I believe the, 
United States Postal Service has requested some bailout funds in the current uh, circumstances. Because <sighs> my question is, I mean, I didn't even read the uh, article as it turns out, but my question is kind of what's, why do they need bailed out because of COVID? Oh, well, I mean, a few different reasons. One, like the federal government has been trying to drown the Postal Service in a shallow bathtub for a long time, um, especially uh, Republican administrations. Um, And, you know, at least right now, like you have to think about it in terms of, you know, we're in a situation we are in a situation right now where there's, you know, unprecedented demand to have stuff delivered. And, you know, the postal system is a, you know, it's that that it is a leading provider I'm not saying it's the leading, it is a leading provider of move stuff from point A to point B type services uh, in the United States. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we're in a situation where uh, if, now this is a big assumption here, if the federal government and particularly executive branch was smart, which again, big assumption there, uh, (laughs) you know, we would Mm. have, mm, hmm, we would have, uh, you know, we'd have like voting by mail for certainly for for the upcoming election in, in November, because yeah. what, what are you going to do? You're going to go send hundreds of millions of people out into like crowded polling places in what could be otherwise one of the highest turnout elections, you know, ever because of the incredibly polarizing nature of at least one of the candidates, maybe both of the candidates. <laughs> Who knows? Depending on maybe your, both of the you know, depending on your opinions here. Um, yeah. Like, like it's that it's like being able to get your prescriptions mailed to you. It's being able to get, you know, stuff from like Amazon or pick your other e-commerce, you know, service delivered to you on a freaking Saturday. Like, I mean, I think Amazon, speaking of Amazon in particular, I think Amazon has a special contract with the Postal Service for doing its Sunday deliveries. It does, in fact. Yeah. So like. Like, there's a big reason why the Postal Service is good and should exist. And it's also, you have to think about it, and it's it's remarkable that because of the way that the Postal Service is structured, you know, wherein, and again, I'm no, I'm no scholar of Postal Service history or, or whatever, but like, you know, it, it makes sense that it might be cheaper to send a letter from, you know, within the same city. Um, but those, those sorts of activities subsidize the more expensive, uh, stuff like, for example, shipping a envelope from, I don't know, the middle of nowhere in Wyoming to the middle of nowhere in Georgia. Sure. It still happens for whatever the cost of a stamp is, 45 cents, you know, whatever it is, 48 cents. I do not know the cost of a stamp. We're such millennials. But you know what I mean, though, oh, right? Boy. Like, <laughs> Are you doing some real-time ninja Googling? Yeah, I think it's like 50 cents now. Whatever. Unless you're shipping a postcard. But one standard stamp is 50 cents now. All right. Anyway. Well, if you buy uh, forever stamps, you can uh, lock in that low, low price for the rest of your life. If you buy a That's lifetime right. supply of stamps. That's right. <laughs> um. You know, oh, maybe it's even fifty-five cents. Anyway, whatever. Not important. Doesn't matter. Um, but like, like, 
you know, Graham, you're not going to be able to send anything through uh, the Federal Express or the uh, United Parcel Service or, you know, DHL, whatever the hell the DHL stands for. It's, it's some German, it's some German initialism. <laughs> yeah, like, I have no idea. Like, like, are you going to be able to send an envelope, you know, that way for 50 cents? The post office is an amazing institution. And in my opinion, this is my little political soapbox moment. The uh, Postal Service uh, should, uh, uh, should should live on. And um, postal. while I'm at it, Postal Service, the band, should come back. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> uh, Graham, you can tell I've had uh, far too much caffeine earlier today. I am... Well, you had a little bit of a travel day. Uh, oh, was I guess that was yesterday, wasn't yeah. it? Never mind. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I wondered if you had to like caffeine yourself up to uh, drive for a couple of hours. Oh, but. no, 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 no. That's what um, I don't really do a lot of caffeine. I don't really consume a lot of caffeine when I'm uh, when I'm driving. I will. <laughs> that is my opportunity to stop by like a gas station and get like a Red Bull and some like like Twizzlers or something or even better. Like Skittles, that's my ultimate like road. Ooh. That's my road trip driving candy. That and then some like like a dude. I mean the the ultimate you know the ultimate three course meal on a road trip is at least for me it's either a Red Bull or a Diet Coke, pack of Funyuns and some Skittles. Ooh. Yeah. Wow, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I think I probably you know uh, for the salty side I got to get like uh, corn nuts in there Ooh, uh, probably. Yes. Yeah, yes. or corn nuts and or Chex Mix, yes. and then uh, for something more sweet, uh, oh boy, uh, I would probably go with like a Mounds. Mounds are, are absolutely my favorite, just because I love coconut everything. In fact, I have an Easter egg almond joy sitting here on my desk to you know eat when you go on your next rant. Anyway. <sighs> <laughs> Uh, uh, so, man, Graham, we've gone way off topic. Uh, well, a little bit there. All right. So, um, so, so from back- getting back closer to the topic, I, w- I would say that I work like half uh, from from home where I, I certainly have a lot of flexibility. Uh, and, and again, I have not been in my office at all because of the current circumstances, of course, uh, for over four weeks now. Um, prior to that, if I was in Chicago, I was in the office 75 to 80% of days, but that was, that was pretty much optional. And so I appreciate that I've had a lot of flexibility in my career. Um, you know, uh, in, and again, for all intents and purposes, uh, after two to three months into my professional career, I consider that I either have, or at least have had the option to work, uh, from home or remotely nearly 100% of the time. Uh, again, noting that, uh, you know, I travel a lot, including for work. So, yeah. um, Jason, what I was going to ask you is, and you probably have a much better and more detailed answer to this than I do, well, but what do you, do you, have a, do you have a particular, um, do you have a particular like work from home stack that you use? Like Ooh. what are the programs and platforms that you use? And we can certainly talk about, there's Ooh. at least... There's a handful of things I want to touch on from the article that I sent you in one of the categories in their great infographic yeah. in, in particular. But yeah. but I wanted to start with, like, what is Jason Rowley's work-from-home stack? Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, so, like, like writing things on the Internet, it, it's a very weird – it's a weird – it's a weird job. 
so I don't necessarily have any like weird whiz bang, um, you know, doohickeys or gizmos uh, software wise that really helped me do that. Um, but I can, I'll walk, let me walk through some of my stack in general. So um, one of the things that I sort of retained from when I was a freelancer, even when I was salary, even when I had salaried positions where I'm not obligated to track my hours or my time, um, I still retain the habit of tracking my time. Um, why? Because, you know, sometimes it's, it's easy to, if you're, for example, in a, Graham wasn't, for listeners, Graham was not kidding. Man's eating a freaking mounds right now. And he's not going to turn off his mute button because he'll, he has mounds in his mouth. Oh my God, Graham. We can't, this is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> okay. So, but back to me, <laughs> he's staring and he's staring in my soul through the, through, through the Skype. Um, so I, I do check. <sighs> that was good. <laughs> it was an almond joy for the record. Whatever. Oh my God. Anyways, I do track my time. I use a service called um, Time, uh, which is spelled T-Y-M-E. Um, I don't know why I picked that one in the beginning, I but I've stuck with it. Um, and so I use that to track all my time across the different stuff that I do. So for my full-time job, I have, you know, I track that with time. Um, I try to aim for like 30, 3, 34 hours a week of like actual real productivity um, doing that. Because I know that, you, you know, during the day, you know, you eat lunch, you go to the bathroom, you do all sorts of other stuff besides like sitting and like working at a keyboard. And so it's good to time to have that stuff timed. Um, apart from that. Uh, you know, as far as communications infrastructure, been a big user of Slack for a long, long time. Um, you know, Zoom has sort of recently come into my, well, I mean, not exactly recently. As of a year, year and a half ago, it came into my life and I, I do quite enjoy Zoom. Um, and then as far as other stuff, like, you know, right now at Golden, you know, I think that they have one of the best uh, off-label uses of Discord, which is otherwise a chat service for nominally focused on like the gaming community. Uh, and uh, we use uh, Discord uh, voice chat as our main medium for our daily scrum meetings, which is great. Um, oh, wow. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, like, I haven't heard of a use of Discord like that. I'm not a, I'm the farthest thing in the world from a Discord power user. But um, I mean, me too. I mean, I've, I've, I, I've, I've not, I signed up for the platform a long, long, long time ago, but uh, I guess never really got into the kinds of games that are really popular among Discord users. Um, so, yeah, that never. Anyways, so like, like that's sort of my main stack, and then it's all the other crap that I use to like write on the internet. Um, so like, it's really basic stuff, like Google, you know, all the Google uh, G Suite uh, Office uh, stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of it for me. I don't really have anything super exotic. Uh, I guess maybe apart from the fact that I track my time. Um, but yeah, Graham, do you, I mean, you also have some sort of a, you know, nominally, uh, a, a, a more remote than, than most sort of job. Like what, uh, what sort of tools have you used? 
Yeah. Um, you know, I think one of the things, and we'll of course link to the article that I keep referring to, which is a CB Insights article. You know, one of the things that they call a productivity tool is um, is MixMax. And I've used MixMax and also uh, another platform called Stream for some email insights. Um, one of the things that I've not specifically sought those platforms out for, um, but that I actually occasionally find useful is uh, knowing when someone has opened an email. And obviously, at least, um, you know, some of their compatriots have gotten in a little bit of uh, a little bit of trouble for the way for using email tracking pixels. We've talked about that, you know, before. you know, and I would say I've used several of the project management tools that are referred to in that article. Um, I use Rike pretty regularly, W-R-I-K-E, oh. uh, which is which is one of those. Uh, one of the companies that I do some some ongoing work for uses Rike, and I found that to be pretty uh, pretty good product. Uh, although I've used Basecamp, Asana, and played around with Monday.com in the past as well, which were all in the project management kind of side of things uh, mm-hmm. on that same same article. Um, you know, I mean, I would say that for me, there, there's probably not a lot of stuff that's novel or a big surprise in there. Um, again, have have used Slack for a long time, you know, listen to music regularly on Pandora or Spotify or even YouTube sometimes while I'm working. Um, let's see, what else? Oh, um, have, I- have, have used a couple of interesting phone technologies, like for having a second office phone number or some other things like that. Nothing out there that I find super valuable on that kind of kind of front. Yeah. So, well, sorry, were you, what were you going to no, ask, Jason? I mean, I mean, looking at this uh, little uh, uh, market landscape Infographic thing. or whatever? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's the sort of like classic uh, CV Insights, you know, a bunch of tiny logos <laughs> in some rectangles. Um, right. Uh, you know, yeah, I mean, so like like at, uh, you know, Golden, they use a clubhouse for uh, uh, bug tracking and ticket stuff, uh, like, you know, ticket stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I've been very, very active in clubhouse uh, recently. Um I've always wanted to try Notion, but I never really had an appropriate project for it. Uh, I know at Crunchbase News, we used uh, Airtable to basically Mm -hmm. run our entire editorial calendar. Um, But, you know, my, uh, my, my sort of like, my only pushback against this particular, um, uh, you know, around this particular uh, sort of like market landscape thing is most of these tools are used by companies even when they are fully functional in the same office. Got uh, it. So Yeah, and I could definitely see that. Um, so like, you know, the but hey, you know, granted, there are probably plenty of these, uh, there's probably plenty of these companies that, you know, would not, are, that are benefiting from the current situation and are also providing sort of unique functionality that people might have otherwise failed to gain exposure to even when they were working inside a really big office. One so so a couple of questions I have for you. Uh-oh. Uh I have heard I've heard of Loom but never used it, I don't believe. Um I have not heard of any of the other or or used to my knowledge any of the other video conferencing companies that are on this infographic. Have you used any of those platforms to your knowledge? No. 
What in the God? I guess it, what is what do, is life size? I do not know. What is and then I've, I've heard of one recently called uh, called blue jeans. Also, have what not is used blue, it. I've never heard of blue jeans. Um, what is blue jeans? <laughs> oh, oh, furious googling ensues. <laughs> why? Uh, why do you think that Zoom has become so? Oh, so much the default oh, lately. Do oh, you have a view on that? Hundred percent. It's because that when they. I forgot what their like last uh, round was before they went public, but they dumped it basically all into like brand advertising. And I remember that there was a three or six month period where basically there was nothing, you know, like the only thing that I saw going into an airport and specifically this is, this will, this is imprinted on me for forever, I guess is the TSA luggage uh, or like baggage trays uh, Zoom paid for premium ad placement in the luggage trays in the luggage trays oh i've not seen that wow ah <sighs> but like a, a good Zoom, use of venture capital money well, right well i mean yeah i mean it's uh it's hashtag brand building uh you know uh uh you know hashtag name recognition yada yada um, but like honestly, I think that 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 their massive brand building campaign, you know, prior to going public, really did serve them well. Um, but you know, they also had a differentiating factor of you know having a natural sort of viral component to their product, which is that you did not need to have a Zoom account to join a Zoom meeting. You just had to have the mm-hmm. app installed. And correct me if I'm wrong. You, I don't think you even needed an app if you don't want to count like a Chrome extension as an app. Right. I think that's right. I think that's still true. I think that if you are not the host, I think you can attend a meeting completely in your browser only. Yeah. Which is nuts. I think that may, may still be true. Sure. Depending upon the yeah, security, security settings yada, yada. But like, uh, of the host. Yeah. But like that's, that's like, that was some like, that was like revolutionary stuff, man. Cause like, I don't know about you, but like, you know, I remember a couple of like in the early, early, early days of, you know, video conferencing and stuff like I got onto a couple of like WebExes or like, you know, like a couple of those like go to meeting things. And like, you know, granted, I'm sure that the user experience of all those, you know, fine services that I'm besmirching now uh, has improved quite radically. Um, but like Zoom felt like it was leaps and bounds above. Uh, what uh, what what those types of services offered, at least at the time? Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, and I've been on a go to meeting as recently, I believe, as yesterday, and and I definitely still agree with that. I, I think Zoom's experience, uh, you know, was far far superior. It was also one of the earliest ones where you could both have video if you wanted it and a screen share. Right. Because yeah. I think in the early days, it seemed like you kind of had one or the other. And I think Zooms might have been one of the first to have both of those options e- easily accessible. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, their, their CEO, uh, Eric, I forgot his last name. Um, he did, wasn't he like a co founder or like early guy at like Citrix or something like that? Uh, I don't know. That could be. Uh, well, this will be. I was a big- 
I, I, I was, and I still occasionally use it, but uh, but I was a big fan of uh, Uber Conference. But it just seems like they've, do, you know, do, kind do, of do, 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 do. yeah. Well, yeah, I didn't like their hold music uh, so much. But. <sighs> what a stupid hold music! It, it is. It's really bad. But I you think you can change it now. Uh, yeah. Well, um, I think that's a paid feature. I think that they made hold music so annoying that people will pay to change to change it. Although, please don't quote me on that. It might be a feature that you can do for free. Eric Yuan <laughs> is the guy. Oh, God. And, and was he was he early at Citrix? Uh, let's see. What did he do? Where is this guy? I'm looking at his Wikipedia page. <laughs> so, so far on this podcast, uh, thankfully the microphone was off, but uh, I've had a snack and we all get to listen to Jason as he actively Googles. Mm. It's a really phenomenal mm. listener experience we provide. Mm-mm-mm. Oh yeah. Mm. So he, 1997, Juan joined uh, WebEx, which was acquired oh, yeah, by Cisco Systems in 2007, and he became vice president of engineering. Wow. There you go. As of March 2020, Juan's shareholding in Zoom is now worth 5.6 billion dollars. Good for him. Good move. Yeah. Jeez. Um, and he was also a technical venture investor for a hot minute uh, at Cisco. Oh, cool. Yeah, it is cool. Anyways, um, uh, where were we? Uh, so, so one of the other things that I was going to ask about is one of the categories on here of the like six or eight categories is the virtual office category. And that whole category, and I've looked at every single one of the half dozen companies that they list in in this infographic, and I had heard of Sococo before, um, but, uh, but I haven't used any of these. That whole slew of things I would think is unlikely to fit the category you said earlier of people likely use these things even if they are in an office for a couple of reasons and they all are different than one another. Um, In particular, I think spatial is really interesting, which is an AR VR way that you can, well, it has an AR VR option. You can also engage with it similar to, you know, the Skype that we're on, but it's not quite as meaningful or immersive, but it's like a shared kind of co-working uh, experience or almost like a like a remote whiteboarding. So you can get into from different physical rooms, obviously, you can get into the same digital space and kind of collaborate and co-create together. Yeah. Which I think is a really cool concept. Um, I do have a virtual reality headset, and uh, I've become a pretty big believer in kind of AR, VR technology. Um, Spatial seems to recommend, and I'm not sure if it requires, I couldn't find uh, more information on this, although maybe maybe it's out there. But they seem to recommend Microsoft's HoloLens, which is an incredibly expensive solution, so and and not what I have. Um, but spatial seems like it would be a really cool way to uh, immersively collaborate with other people who are not in the same room as you are. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and again, like, like Sococo, also a cool one that allows you to be 
um, somewhere and you can control where you are with other people in different rooms of a physical office. Mm. So those are two really cool ones, uh, you know, tandem. again, in that virtual office category. Yeah, and like Tandem, you know, they were uh, one of the hottest startups to come out of, you know, Y Combinator Summer 19 batch. Um, I know I can remember from the time back when I was a startup and venture capital journalist, uh, just reading through uh, VC Twitter and everybody uh, clapping themselves on the back for getting any money into into Tandem's deal. Uh, it was apparently one of the most uh, hotly contested deals uh, of the year. Um, and, you know, uh, they seem to be doing okay for themselves. You know, but but the, the thing that I just want to, like, bring up about these, like, virtual office things and, and all this stuff is, you know, back to kind of what we said at the very beginning, which is that, you know, on the one hand, we're all stuck at home, you know, because of a ongoing tragedy, you know, one of the things that I think that there needs to be room for is, is room for people to not be performing at their 100% best because emotionally it might be a very difficult thing to do right now. Uh, and, you know, I, I think that, that one of the things that we should all be very cautious of, uh, is is the issue of corporate surveillance over our own, you know, stuff that we do when we're, you know, even when we're at work. Because I mean, I'm I am going to be the first to admit that uh, you know, even while I'm nominally working like, yes, I will check Reddit. I will do whatever. Like, I will get up and I will make a sandwich every now and again. Like like there's there's stuff that I think that there's like bits and pieces of like old management philosophy that I think will need to change to accommodate the fact that, you know, we're all just human beings stuck at home trying to get stuff done. Um, and even when this crisis passes, you know, when hopefully mo more of us are in, you know, a better sort of frame of mind and, and, and stuff that, that, you know, that there isn't the, uh, sort of like knee jerk reaction to, um, you know, surveil everybody quite so closely. Like, that's one of the thing about these virtual office, you know, apps, a lot of them, is that, you know, they would allow for sort of instantaneous drop-in for video chat, which, like, is, yes, analogous to the type of experience you get working in an office where you can just, like, pop your head around the corner or, like, wave at somebody and say, like, hey, you know, can we, you know, can we have a one-on-one -on -one in one of the breakout rooms or whatever, whatever, um, but like in this way of working, I don't think that that sort of interaction model is, is friendly to people. You know, one of the things that I think is interesting, um, I was on a virtual happy hour a couple of weeks ago and somebody was asking about kind of, you know, remote work culture. And it was somebody who had pretty reasonable experience working remotely and being a team member of a member of remote teams. But one of the things that, you know, kind of came up is, you know, he said that it's not that he was exactly monitoring his team members, um, but he was watching people in general's social media. And he was commenting that he didn't understand why people were weren't working harder for their employers. And his point was kind of, 
hey, you know, I'm kind of trying to keep my company afloat. Um, he'd actually just raised a round of capital and was it was doing really well. And I think his company stands to, depending on how long this goes, not necessarily be uh, hugely benefited, but at least slightly benefit from from the current set of circumstances. And so, um, so kind of where this discussion went was, you know, he's saying, well, should I really be having my people work remotely? Am I really getting the benefit and value out of, you know, out of them, right? I mean, I'm I'm paying them a salary and I'm expecting some level of production, uh, you know, from them. And, and while I think you're absolutely right that, you know, everyone has different um, physical and emotional, uh, you know, kind of responses to this. And I think it's good for employers, uh, especially of employees who weren't but now are remote, um, getting used to both being remote and under the current stresses, I think that's a good thing for people to be sensitive to. Um, I said to him, the the guy that I was on this uh, this happy hour with, uh, that a friend of mine, you know, who was a big advocate of remote teams and has most of his employees remote almost all the time, and is regularly running two or three businesses, basically said, you know, I mean, if I can't trust somebody, you know you know, remotely, then, you know, I also can't trust them if they sit right beside me, right? There was no, in in one particular friend of mine's view, there's no amount of physical closeness that can make up for that same kind of, um, you know, like lack of trust. And, and I thought that that was a really valuable point. And I've kind of carried that with me and advocated to other people, including the guy on the happy hour, um, who said, you know, that that was, was interesting. And he thought he would kind of use that as the standard moving forward of how he how he evaluated hires even once we get back into a normal physical office work culture so you know anyway i think there's something to be said for having a high degree of trust in your people yeah of course um, i mean so yeah i mean you gotta <laughs> like that's i i mean in my opinion like that's table stakes right like don't work yeah with, of course yeah don't work with people you don't you know trust um or like if somebody's really good, but you know you feel like they might need some handholding or extra supervision or whatever, like that's then a that's a human management problem, not a technical management problem. Like that's a having a good manager that will check in with somebody every once in a while and make sure that they're on on track, as opposed to spending like you know two hours on a. Wednesday afternoon baking sourdough bread, which hey, which might need to be done every once in a while. Yeah, you know, and and personally, I'm the I'm a believer uh, in kind of high expectations and high performing cultures, uh, but I'm also someone who really believes that hey, if you're getting your work done, I quite frankly don't care. I mean, as long as you're you know following all laws and kind of ethical requirements. Uh, it doesn't bother me if it takes you longer or shorter or e- even dramatically shorter than expected to to do that, right? I've read things about really high-performing salespeople who found effective strategies, and some of them worked, you know, two hours a day of production and were able to beat all of their colleagues, uh, you know, in sales quotas and things. I mean, hey, the company was still getting way above the production they were looking for from that individual, uh, far be 
it from me or their coworkers to say that uh, they weren't doing their job right, uh, even if they surf the internet uh, for you know four to six hours a day. I don't know. Hmm. Living the life, um, Graham. I think that um, to conclude, because uh, we're we're running, we're running uh, the danger of of running quite long on the show. Um, or at least on this particular episode, uh, <laughs> show notwithstanding, um, uh, I, I think that we can both agree that as far as a time for this for something like what we're currently experiencing to happen, um, we're obviously not lucky that that this is happening at all. But from a technical infrastructure standpoint, we're in a position where this is not a an absolute game ending situation, right? Like if, well, could yeah. you imagine no, if this I, shit I, I happened in agree. like 1970? Well, yeah, I mean, and you know, when this happened, uh, uh, just over a hundred years ago, think how much less information, regardless of the ability to connect, um, think how much less informed people could be, which I think is a double-edged sword. But, um, but you know, I mean, yeah, I think we, we're very lucky that so much work and quote unquote normal commerce can happen, uh, you know, remotely like this. Well, and socialization, like, like you and I are talking over some number of different nodes in a network that's, you know, all connected together via, you know, the magical Skype machine. Yeah. And and it works. That's phenomenal, right? I mean, I'm sure you've been to virtual happy hours. Uh, We celebrated my great aunt's 100th birthday. I think I've referred to that previously on the show. I went to my friend's via a Zoom. I went to a Zoom birthday party. We watched Tiger King together. Yeah. Hey, there you go. (laughs) As as one does. As uh, one does. at, At a birthday party in today's world. So, yeah, I, I think that, you know, um, anytime that people are feeling negative or frustrated by the circumstances, I think that that's uh, a really solid silver lining um, that I keep reminding myself of is that um, while this is a terrible thing that's happening and while, as you pointed out earlier, nearly two million people on the planet have this disease and while it's killed thousands, uh, I think now tens of thousands of people and, and unfortunately oh, in, the, in the United States alone. Many more to come. Um, there are certainly a lot of things, especially about remote work culture and allowing people to be productive remotely. Um, that there's there's certainly no no better time than now for the for that part of this to have happened. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I don't think I have anything else apart from hoping and praying that uh, at the end of all this. All the uh, site reliability engineers over at Zoom and Slack and all these other sites, um, I really hope they get, like, the fattest bonus of their life. Well, they certainly deserve it. Well, that's why I'm saying I'm I not hope certain, they get it. I'm, I'm not certain that the security team at Zoom deserves a fat bonus, but, uh, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, mm-hmm. everyone who has <laughs> dramatically, uh, dramatically increased the technical infrastructure uh, oh my Serves a big uh, pat on the back, and, and uh, you know, probably down the list from nurses and doctors, but certainly gets a big thank you from me, dude. Network engineers—they are making the world go round. Um, doctors and nurses and everybody else more so, 
but darn it, man. If I can't imagine, <laughs> I can't imagine this happening and we were all stuck in like 1995 levels of internet infrastructure. Or pre-internet. Pre-internet, pre-cell phone. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Terrible. That'd be terrible. What are you going to do? You're going to go like... Record a podcast. Yeah, no. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that's the least... What are you going to do? You're going to go like, you know, mail in your like telegram slips or whatever? I don't know how telegrams work. Especially if we can, uh, you know, get the singing telegram delivery. Yeah. Oh, man. Graham, I think we should... mm. On demand, on demand singing telegrams over Zoom. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Telegrams as a service. Tass. Tass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, boy. I don't think there's any worse note to end this on, so I'm going to uh, stop call recorder, okay? <laughs> okay. All right. Bye, everybody. Stay <laughs> safe. Until next week. <laughs> <laughs>